0: Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Good morning. Uh, Thank you, Glenn. Thanks to you and the clergy and and the musicians and the choir. That was just a inspiring rendering of that scripture and thanks to you the people of this church of centenary uh, i uh, many of the important things that have happened in my life have happened in the city of winston-salem and in the forsyth county and i have known uh, many of your lay uh, people and members and many of your pastors and have sat where you sat on a number of occasions And been blessed by this church. And I'll say a further word about that later, but I just want to thank you for being the church, uh, especially these last years uh, as we have moved through a global pandemic and political polarization and the exhaustion that has come from that. Uh, You are, I've come to know that you are the people who hold. Uh, your families together and your community together and your church and you do a lot of the heavy lifting in a city like Winston-Salem and a church like Centenary anchors a city and a region for the gospel and for the common good uh, and I fundamentally I want to say thank you for all of that. Uh, I want to read uh, the passage from the gospel Uh, And this comes from John 15, beginning with the first verse. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers, such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, I've said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends, because I've made known to you everything that I've heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and to bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the father will give you whatever you ask him to. In my name, I'm giving you these commands so that you may love one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In the 15th chapter of John's gospel, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches and apart from me, you can do nothing. He is talking about growth and life and connection. And the visible strength of the branches comes from a source, the vine. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. At the core of our faith, is the conviction that we have a spiritual need. I trust that God overcomes my weaknesses, forgives my failures, heals my brokenness. We can live in a connection with a God who wants to give us grace Help, forgiveness, even salvation. There is a human temptation to keep God at a distance. We would all like to do it most of the time ourselves. Amen? And yet, to be a follower of Jesus is to admit that I need a Savior is to say I cannot do this on my own, even on my best days. And here is the good news, when we ask for help, we discover that God's grace is sufficient. The 12 steps movement says it this way, when we confess that we are powerless, we are connected with an incredible higher power. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. He's speaking to his disciples and to us, and he says, abide with me, live in me. Now, if we read a little further into the passage, we are given a little more explanation Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, but I have called you friends. To be a follower of Jesus is to be a friend of Jesus, to be at home in his presence, to live in him, to know that he is alive and that he is with us. We are invited into a friendship with Jesus to experience this connection. In friendships, we are aware that we matter to some other person, that our story, our narrative, our life matters to some other person. And we try to stay connected. And how do we do that? We spend time with each other. We share, we listen, we connect. This summer, I spent a part of a day with two friends. We were doing something that I love to do and to be honest, am not very good at, and that is fly fishing. So we were in the mountains of Western North Carolina. Now, there is a lot about fly fishing that is way above me. The thickness of the line on the rod, the temperature of the water, the day or month of the year, the kind of trout. I don't grasp hardly any of that. I just love to stand in the water and cast that fly rod again and again. There were three of us. We had reserved this small part of a river for four hours. It was quiet. And between the three of us friends, we talked about ourselves and our spouses and our children and our grandchildren and mistakes we had made, and how the time had kind of gotten past us, and our health, and politics, and our work, and more mistakes we had made. And we were talking, and we were listening, and it was friendship, and it takes some time. That day, we did not catch a single fish I saw some in the water, but they resisted. Every one of my efforts to catch one of them. But it was friendship. You and I have a friendship with Jesus. And it is spending time with Jesus. It is spending time with passages of scripture, teachings of Jesus. Learning about his life. Learning about his love for us. It is being silent in prayer. At the beginning of a day, it's like asking in the quietness, Jesus, what do you want me to do today? It is saying, Jesus, this is going to be a hard day. It is asking as a day begins, Jesus, where did I see you yesterday? Jesus, how did I miss encountering with you? That's what a friendship with Jesus is. I no longer call you servants, Jesus says. I have called you friends. And in this teaching, Jesus goes a little deeper because it's about our friendship with Jesus, but that's not where it ends. In Jesus' teaching, he gave us two great commandments. They were a simplification of 613 laws. Now, how many of you would rather have the guidance of two things than 613? Well, that's what Jesus came to do. He said there are these two great commandments when he was asked the question by a lawyer. Love God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Here he simply says, love one another. These two commandments, loving God, loving our neighbor, are are really what sanctification means for us as Methodist. It's not about separation, it's not about segregation, it's not about exclusion. It's not about being separate from anyone, it is about loving God and loving our neighbor. And it's about loving ourselves. Because when we come to love God, we understand that this God is so amazing, God created every one of us in the image of God. And we come to love ourselves. And, and all of this is more than sentimentality. I remember a few years ago, my wife and I were watching a country music video on television, and a woman was singing in the video. I was actually watching the video. My wife was just sitting near me doing something else. And the woman kept singing the refrain over and over again, my baby loves me just the way that I am. My baby loves me just the way that I am. My baby loves me just the way that I am. And finally my wife looked at me and rolled her eyes and she said, that woman has gigantic blue eyes and maybe an ounce of body fat, what's not to love? <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. In reality, love is not easy. I've been wrestling with an idea, I'll test it out with you, and, and here it is. Law is easy, love Is hard. I can keep the law and be a hateful person, but to love that requires something more of me. Jesus talked a lot more about love than law. He said, Love one another. And this is who we are. We are people who love each other. We are people who love each other. Oh, that church, they're the people who love each other. Now the answer to the question who is important. It's the question of identity, who we are. We're people who love each other. But there's another question that's important and that is the question when. That's the understanding of the moment, the timing, the season in which we live. And this is a season of complexity and division and polarization. It's just the air that we breathe, amen? There was a woman named Catherine of Siena who was a 14th century spiritual guide, mystic. She lived in Italy, in Siena. And she wrote a series of visions and dialogues with God. Now Siena is in Tuscany. Some of you may have been to Siena. Some of you may have been to Tuscany. Tuscany is a region of vineyards which produce the best wine in the world. The house wine, the wine that just comes out of the ground is a dollar a glass. Diet soda is $3. It's just what the area is. It's where Catherine lived. And Catherine was obsessed with the scriptures. She was obsessed with the scriptures to the degree that she memorized the scriptures, that she dreamed about the scriptures. And in one of her dreams, she was reflecting on the body of Christ, poured out for her and the responsibility we all have to receive The gift. And in her vision, God is hiring workers for all of those vineyards. Here we think of Matthew 20. Some get hired in the morning, some noon, some late afternoon. They all get the same wage. Each worker has a vineyard. And in her dream, Each vineyard was the soul. And in the soul, some things were being pruned and uprooted. My soul needs that. There's some things I need to have pruned and uprooted. And some things are being planted and nurtured. And all of the vineyards, all of the souls are engrafted into one vine. And then Catherine says, everyone is joined to your neighbor's vineyards without any dividing lines. They are so joined together, in fact, that you cannot do good or evil for yourself without doing good or evil to your neighbor. If I do harm to my neighbor, I harm myself. If I do good for my neighbor, I do good for myself. I am talking about love in a time of division World, national, local, church, families, businesses, neighborhoods. Are you with me? So, so John 15 is just two chapters after John 13. It makes sense. And John 13 is one of the toughest chapters in the Bible, certainly in the New Testament. In John 13, Jesus is betrayed. And maybe along the way, you have felt some betrayal. Someone you trusted. And in John 13, Jesus is abandoned. And along the way, maybe you have felt in some way, some sense of abandonment. In this very reality, Jesus is saying, love one another. Years ago, I remember hearing the great British evangelist, John Stott, who posed a provocative question. The question is, how can the world believe in an invisible God. How is the world going to believe in an invisible God? And then he quoted from 1 John 4. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us. God's love is perfected in us. We experience the love of God through God's people. And yet there is a little more. In this passage, Jesus says, I chose you, I called you, I appointed you to go and bear fruit. The purpose of the spiritual life and a healthy community is to make a difference in the world. One of my teachers, Tom Langford, shared a parable one time. A group was visiting a large mansion one, in one of the impressive homes actually of this region. And there was a group gathered and they were all in the great hall of the home and they were looking at a prominent chandelier <clears throat> and there was a silence as everyone took it in. And then they began to move and they made their way through a narrow hallway toward another part of the house, and that hallway was illumined by a single bulb. Later, someone in the group remarked, that single light bulb probably kept more people from stumbling than the great chandelier. The fruit of the Spirit, which is love, is the good and ordinary acts of kindness and mercy and forgiveness and making things right that ordinary Christian people do every day. It is what makes a church great. It is what makes a city great. And so I want to talk with you about some of my associations here. My wife gave birth to our first child, a daughter, here. That daughter graduated from high school, here, played in the youth symphony. My wife's father died in the hospital, here. He worked with Reynolds most of his life. My wife, my brother-in-law, our son-in-law graduated from Wake Forest. Our son-in-law was the demon deacon. He was an intern in this church. He heard a call from God to become a minister in this church. And I could go on. This church, this sanctuary is a part of all of that. And and so as I'm here this morning, I'm remembering one of the last times I was here. It was Ernest Fitzgerald's memorial service. We were close in retirement. He lived here and I was serving here. And in his service, and there was a lot of humor in his service, Someone was recounting this experience. He and his wife were traveling by car across the state of South of Georgia, South Georgia, which is a very hard thing to do. And it was early in the morning and Ernest was grumbling about something going on in one or two churches. And his wife turned to him and said, remind me again why we wanted this job. <laughs> I was a pastor for 28 years and have served as a bishop for 11 through a, through a challenging season. But I am honored to get to do it. And God has provided everything. And being here and retracing some steps is a reminder to me of that. I'm not the first person to attempt to lead or be a Christian in a complicated season. So a little over 40 years ago, I was sitting in a classroom at Duke Divinity School. I was in the required course that you took if you wanted to be a United Methodist minister. And the lecturer that day was Kenneth Goodson, bishop in residence. Like Ernest Fitzgerald, a former minister of this church. Again, this is 40 years ago. I have heard many lectures in my life, forgotten most of them. This one I remember as if it were yesterday. Part of that's Bishop Goodson. To say he could tell a story is like saying Steph Curry could shoot a basketball or Mary Oliver could write a poem. So that day in class, Bishop Goodson was telling the story of a church in Union Springs, Alabama. The time was the early 1960s. This time coincided with the March in Selma, and the boycott in Montgomery, and the bombings in Birmingham, and Ken Goodson was the bishop, Methodist Bishop of Alabama. Many in the Union Springs Methodist Church were unhappy with the denomination about the encouragement of the right to vote and access to education, and to be honest, racial equality. And so after the service, a large number of the people of the church went out to the front lawn of the church and planted a new sign, Union Springs Southern Methodist Church. That afternoon, some people in the church called Bishop Goodson to say that this had happened. A number of them formed a group, a community, and they began going to the public library a few blocks away where they had Sunday school and worship. The court case made its way through the system in Alabama. And after a couple of iterations, the trust clause was upheld and the people of Union Springs Methodist Church went back to their sanctuary. That morning as Ken Goodson told that story I felt more connected to him and more connected to a courageous group of people in South Alabama and more connected to Centenary, which had formed him and shaped him and was the place he loved more than anything else he ever did. He had also told a story about serving this church and a number of youth dying on a mission trip in an accident and about being the pastor here and in my time at Mount Tabor the very same thing happened youth who died in an accident and I was their pastor for me that is all about the fruit of a place and a people And it is your Jesus story. I want to say thank you for the fruit that has been nurtured and cared for and that has blessed you and many people you'll never know about in the name and spirit of Jesus. So through it all, we abide. What a friend we have in Jesus. We love one another. We don't agree about everything. That's not the point. We love one another because he first loved us. And we trust that through it all, we will bear much fruit.